Preface and Chapter One of Grandpa in Oz by Ruth Plumley Thompson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phil Chenevere, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Grandpa in Oz by Ruth Plumley Thompson. Preface. Dear boys and girls. This book is all about an old soldier called Grandpa, a young prince, a lost princess, and a weathercock named Bill. I might never have known a thing about them if Dorothy had not been mixed up in the story. But if there is any excitement in Oz, that girl is bound to be right in the middle of it, and her adventures with Grandpa, Prince Tatters, and Bill are the most curious that have happened in a year of Oz days. Really? I hope the other boys and girls will like Grandpa as much as I do, says Dorothy. And I hope so, too, for I'm awfully fond of the old soldier. I hear from Glinda that Mombi the Witch is up to some mischief, so I must hurry off to the Emerald City at once. If it is true, I'll tell you all about it in the next story. Now please do write me some more of those jolly letters, and tell me of any Oz news you may hear, will you? Meanwhile, lots of love, good wishes, and good times to you. Ruth Plumley Thompson, Philadelphia, July 1924 Chapter 1 A Rainy Day in Ragbad King Fumbo of Ragbad shook in his carpet slippers. He had removed his red shoes, so he could not very well shake in them. "'My dear,' quavered the king, flattening his nose against the crack pane, "'will you just look out of this window and tell me what you see?' My dear was really the queen of Ragbad. Years ago, when she had first come to the old red castle on the hill, she had worn her crown every day, and was always addressed as Your Majesty.' But as time passed and affairs in the kingdom had gone from bad to worse, my dear, like many another queen, had taken off her crown, put on her thimble, and become plain Mrs. So-and-so, and with all her sewing she had barely been able to keep the kingdom from falling to pieces. She was stitching a patch on the king's Thursday cloak at this very minute I am telling you about. What now? gasped the poor lady, and rushing to the window, she also pressed her nose to the pane. "'Do you see what I see?' choked King Fumbo, clutching at her hand. "'I see a great cloud rolling over Red Mountain,' panted Mrs. So-and-so. "'I see the red geese flying before the wind. I see—' Here she gave a great bounce and brushed past her husband. "'I see my best patchwork quilt blowing down the highway,' moaned Mrs. So-and-so, stumbling across the room. "'Ruination!' spluttered the king, as the door slammed after his wife. "'Shut the bells! Ring the windows! Fetch Prince Tatters and call my red umbrella! Grandpa! Scroggles! Where is every brag-bad body?' Grandpa, as it happened, was in the garden, and Grandpa was an old soldier with a game leg who had fought in nine hundred and eighty rag-bad battles and beaten everything, including the drum. Just now he was beating the carpet. Tatters, the young prince of Ragbad, was off on a picnic with the red smith. 
and Scroggles, the footman of all work about the castle, was mending a hole in the roof, so none of them heard the king's calls. Finally, seeing that no one was coming to carry out his commands, Fumbo began to carry them out himself. First he clutched his red beard and jumped clear out of his carpet slippers. Next he slammed the window on his thumb. With his thumb in his mouth he hurled himself upon the bell-rope, pulling it so violently the cord broke and dropped him upon his back. Having failed to ring the bell, he wrung his hands, and well he might, for the room had grown dark as pitch, and the wind was howling down the chimney like a pack of hungry gollywalkers. "'I'll get my umbrella,' muttered King Fumbo, scrambling to his feet. But just as he reached the door, ten thousand pounds of thunder clapped the castle on the back, and so startled poor Fumbo that he fell through the door and all the way down ten flights of steps. And worse still, when he finally did pick himself up, instead of running into the throne room he plunged out into the garden, and the storm broke right over his head broke with such flashing of lightning and crashing of thunder and lashing of treetops that the king and such other luckless rag-baggians as were out were flung flat on their noses, and the ones who were indoors crept under beds and into the cupboards and wished they had been better than they had been. Even Grandpa, who was far and away the bravest man in the country, even Grandpa, after one look at the sky, rolled himself in the carpet he had been beating, and lay trembling like a tobacco-leaf. "'This will certainly spoil the rag-crop,' sighed Grandpa dismally. And as he spoke right out in this frank fashion of the chief industry of Ragbad, I'd better tell you a bit more about the country itself, for I can see your nose curling with curiosity, and curly noses are not nearly so becoming as they used to be. To begin with, Ragbad is in Oz, a small patch of a kingdom way down in the southwestern corner of the Quadling country. In the reign of Fumbo's father, it had been famous for its chintz and tapestries, its red ginghams and calico vines, its cotton fields and its fine linens and lawns. Indeed, at one time, all the dress goods in Oz had been grown in the gardens of Ragbad. But when Fumbo came to the throne, he began to spend so much time reading and so much money for books and tobacco that he soon emptied the treasury and had no money to pay the chintz and gingham pickers, nor to send the lawns to the laundry. They were always slightly dusty from being trodden on. And one after another the workers of Ragbad had been forced to seek a living in other lands, so that now there were only twenty-seven families left and the cotton fields and calico bushes, the chintz and tapestries, from lack of care and cultivation, ran perfectly wild and yielded, instead of fine bolts of material, nothing but shreds, tatters, and rag. The twenty-seven remaining rag-battians, including the redsmith, the miller, the baker, and twenty-four rustic laborers, after a vain attempt to do the work of twenty-seven hundred, gave up in despair and became common rag-pickers. From these rags, which fortunately were still plentiful, Mrs. So-and-so and the good wives of Ragbad made all the clothing worn in the kingdom, besides countless rag rugs, and the money obtained from the sale of these rugs was all that kept the little country from absolute and utter ruin. 
Of the splendid courtiers and servitors surrounding Fumbo's father, only three remained. For I regret to say that neither the servants nor the old nobility had been able to stand the hardships attendant upon poverty, and they had left in a body the first morning Mrs. So-and-so had served oatmeal without cream for breakfast. The army, too, had deserted and marched off to Jinxland because the king could not buy them new uniforms, so that only three retainers were left in the old red castle on the hill. Pudge, the oldest and fattest of the wise men, had stayed because he was fond of his room in the tower and of Mr. So-and-so's coffee. Scroggles, the second footman, had stayed because he had old-fashioned notions of his duty, and Grandpa, though long since discharged from active service, had stuck to his post like the gallant old soldier he was, and as there were no battles to fight, he tended the furnace, weeded the gardens, and helped King Fumbo and Mr. So-and-so bring up their son to as fine a young prince as any in Oz. It was of Prince Tatters, during all this bluster, that Grandpa was thinking as he lay shivering under the carpet, and as soon as the thunder stopped hammering in his ears, he stuck out his head. The wind, after snatching off tin roofs, the wings from the red mill, and shaking all the little cottages till their very chimneys chattered, had rushed away over Red Mountain. It was still raining, but Grandpa, seeing that the worst was over, crawled out of the carpet and began to look for trouble. And what do you suppose he found? Why, the king, or at least the best part of the king. Rag of mercy! shrieked the old soldier, jumping behind a tapestry, a thing he had never done in all those nine hundred and eighty battles. But his conduct did not surprise me at all, for Fumbo had lost his head in the storm and was running wildly around without it stumbling over bushes and vines and stamping his stockinged feet in a perfect frenzy of fright and fury. Now, of course, you will say at once that Fumbo is not the first king to lose his head, and I can only answer that he is the first I ever heard of who went on living without it. And if Ragbad were not in the wonderful land of Oz, I should say at once that the thing was impossible. In Oz, however, one may come apart, but no one ever dies. So here was poor Fumbo with his head clean off, as live and lively as ever. Breathing hard, Grandpa peered around the tapestry again to see whether his eyes had deceived him. But no, it was the king without a doubt and without his head. Whatever will Mrs. So-and-so do now? groaned Grandpa and pulling his campaign hat well down over his ears, he dashed out and, seizing Fumbo's arm, began splashing through the garden, dragging the king along after him. Mrs. So-and-so had already reached the castle and was sitting on the broken spring sofa that served for a throne, sneezing violently. She had not only rescued her quilt, but she had caught a frightful cold. All the colors in the quilt had run together, and this last calamity so upset the poor lady that she began sobbing and sneezing by turns. But right in the middle of the fifteenth sneeze she looked up and saw the old soldier with the game leg standing in the doorway. "'Now don't be frightened,' 
begged Grandpa, advancing stiffly and dripping water all over the rug. Don't be alarmed, but at the same time prepare yourself for a blow. Mrs. So-and-so, with her damp handkerchief in her hand, had already been preparing herself for a blow, but now, dropping the handkerchief, she sneezed instead, and when, glancing over Grandpa's shoulder, she caught sight of the king, she sneezed again, and fainted dead away and rolled under the sofa. Oh, this is worse than a battle, puffed Grandpa, dashing between the king and the queen, for every time he tried to help Mrs. So-and-so, the king fell over a chair or upset a table. Halt! About face and wheel to your left! Can't you? roared the old soldier, mopping his forehead. But to these instructions Fumbo, having no face about him, paid no attention. Instead he wheeled to the right and swept all the ornaments from the mantel down on the old soldier's head, and then jumped on Grandpa's good foot so hard that Grandpa forgot for a moment he was a king and thumped him in the ribs. Then, muttering apologies, the old soldier seized a curtain cord and tied Fumbo to a red pillar. This done, he reached under the sofa and pulled out Mrs. So-and-so, and, having nothing else handy, gave her a huge pinch of snuff. Just as she came to, in from the garden, splashing water in every direction, rushed Prince Tatters, and in from the kitchen pelted Pudge, the aged wise man. "'The rag crop is ruined and the king will lose his head,' panted Pudge, who had a bad habit of predicting events after they had occurred. "'He has lost his head,' corrected Grandpa, jerking his thumb over his shoulder. "'But, Grandpa!' Stumbling across the room, Prince Tatters shook the old soldier by the arm. "'When? How? Why? What will he do?' "'Do without it,' sighed the old soldier, glancing uneasily at Fumbo. "'The king has lost his head. Long live his body,' wheezed Pudge, rolling up his eyes. "'Now don't cry, my dear,' begged Grandpa, scowling reprovingly at Pudge, and patting Mrs. So-and-so on the shoulder. "'Having no head really saves one no end of trouble. No face to wash, no more headaches, no earaches, no toothaches.' Grandpa's voice grew more and more cheerful. "'No lectures to listen to, no spectacles to hunt, no hair to lose, no more coals to catch in it.' Why, he really is better off without a head. But Mrs. So-and-so refused to be comforted, and rocking to and fro moaned, What shall we do? What shall we do? What shall we do? I tell you, proposed Pudge, pursing up his lips importantly, let's all have a strong cup of coffee. As this seemed a sensible suggestion, they all filed into the big red kitchen of the castle, leaving Fumbo kicking his heels against the stone pillar. End of chapter 1